With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little whiskey. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host Danny coming to you for episode number 13, the episode in which we'll dedicate it solely to our best Brazilian fullback friend Danilo and a backup goalkeeper extraordinaire Alex Manninger who had maybe the best reactions you've ever seen. So congratulations to them. They hold that honor. And by the way, if you're wondering, Juve's run of number 13s lately before Danilo has included legends like Federico Peluso, Alex Manninger, the long forgotten number three goalkeeper of the Claudio Ranieri era, Jess Van Straten. So there you go. I'm sure you guys were all hoping he got more playing time. And Fabrizio Micoli. So we're, we're running strong with some number 13s there. So as usual, I am joined by the, the, the cast, Sam Lopresti. Hello, Sam. Wait, you're saying that Manninger's reactions were better than Pinso's? It's hard to tell because Manninger just had so much facial expressions and Pinso is just, just he's just all everything all the time. And that was the one good thing to come out of the Roma game is that he actually got to play and we got <laughs> to hear him screaming at the top of his lungs outside of a goal celebration. So also got Chucks here. Hello, Chucks. Pinso time is the best time. <laughs> yeah, good evening, gentlemen. Um, Fabrizio Micoli, my God, that's a truly, that's, truly a throwback. I that's mean, a throw, that that's is... a throwback to the Juve outside, isn't it, Chucks? Yeah, that's true. I mean, that brings back my <laughs> memories. You know, it's funny. I think we mentioned 
and the number nine one, I think it was Valley Bozhinov. Yes. I think I made the comment that I remembered seeing him on Eurosport 2 when Eurosport <laughs> 2 would show those matches. Same story with Fabrizio Micoli, I believe. I think I remember him also from uh, Eurosport 2, if, if my memory serves me right. But anyway, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. And we've got Sergio Romero, the Raul, Raul Jimenez to Juventus bandwagon driver. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. So good. I, I do wonder when are we going to, like, when is it going to start getting tricky to keep on the, the number gimmick thing we have going on? When it hits like the 30s. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, because this one was, like, dicey. It was like, oh, crap. Like, actually, Danilo is the best 13 player lately. So, yeah, so that's going to get dicey. obviously means the bar is very low. Yeah, actually. Well, we're, we're talking about Serie A champion Danilo now. So, that's right. You know, that is true. Let's, let's acknowledge that. Which uh, is a great transition right into what we're going to talk about today. Not Juventus lifting the trophy, which I think we can all agree the last couple of games were uh, crap. But Juvent- Juventus has actually a game to prepare for now that the Serie A season is over. And that is obviously the Champions League tie against Lyon in Turin that Oh, the first leg was quick math in my head five and a half months ago. So I guess I'll just throw out this question right off the bat. How confident are we feeling entering a tie where Juventus has to turn around a one nothing deficit? Uh, not very. <laughs> not very. <laughs> um, hate to say it, but not very. Um, no, as we were uh, talking about in uh, pre-show uh, before we started recording, a good friend of mine, uh, shout out to my man Fabio, by the way. He's a Milan fan. And after, let me see, what was it? After the game against Roma, well, yeah, more well, Roma and Cagliari game, but especially game the loss against Roma, uh, you know, he just sent me a barrage of messages. Oh, you guys should be ashamed! Like, you guys look at the terrible form you're in. Actually, I have my phone right by me, so I can <laughs> read you some of the text. <laughs> um, you know, he was just like, "Oh, you, you guys, you don't even care anymore." Uh, you want to finish the f- season in style. You need to get in form for Champions League, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, he let me have it, you know. And while I defended our performances in those in those two games, because I said, I mean, look, nobody cared anymore. Like, clearly, nobody cared anymore. Like, let's just be honest. Nobody cares. <laughs> However, another important point was just the fact that, once again, as I had mentioned last episode, referencing uh, Sari's comments of, you know, the last four or five months have been very emotionally, more than anything emotionally, but also physically very, very taxing on the players and the human human beings, you know, once again, they're human beings. So it has been just a, a very trying time. First, emotionally, just seeing, as Sari described it, you know, you're sitting at home and it's not, it's not very relaxing. You know, what words exactly? I think he said people... People uh, talked to me and said, oh, well, the players had three months break. Well, it's not really a break if you sit at home and see millions of people around, or well, hundreds of thousands of people around the world die. And then that's the emotional side and then the physical side of playing a game every three days, I believe it was. I might actually count it in July because I just wrote my monthly recap. Uh, in July, there were eight games in 25 days. So that is 
essentially every every three days that's game. ridiculous yeah that's i mean um and <laughs> you know it's uh, i mean i think this uh, this podcast will be out by the time my monthly recap will be out but i had referenced in my article comment by thief pro the uh the global footballers union represents uh, footballers all around the world they had released a report um, i think it was called at the limit in which they basically chronicled the playing demands of yeah top level players like what what are the physical demands on players nowadays on top level players and i mean they just said it's completely ridiculous i mean they play you know they attract players playing 60 70 80 games in a season and i mean a season is roughly 10 months so you know you split that per month that's on average you know seven eight games a month i mean just absolutely inhumane demands on players so yeah just pointing out the emotional and the physical side of that. So because of those two things, I'm a little worried, a little worried for next week or well, we're recording this on uh, Monday. So sorry, it should, yeah, for, oh, the game is this Friday, man, time flies. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, a little worried indeed. It has no meaning anymore time. <laughs> it really doesn't, especially when you're working from home. It's just very, I don't know, it's all very weird. Thankfully, my employer is not listening to this, so it's all right. But um, That's yeah. what you think. <laughs> who knows who knows <laughs> hopefully not if not well no actually i have nothing to say yeah i mean concern um also with injuries um we saw rabio coming off in uh the final game against roma presumably precautionary but still problematic the biggest worry of course is paulo dibala i mean is he going to be fit i think the article you posted danny was cautiously optimistic the words were used I mean, that's, that is very, very big concern indeed because the partnership between him and Ronaldo is, you know, finally starting to look quite good actually and quite, you know, flowing a little. And I mean, frankly, he has been our most informed player since the restart, I would say, I would argue. So if we don't have him, that's seriously, seriously problematic. Plus, I mean, we just ended the season with our worst defensive record since I think six, seven years or so. I'm not very confident, frankly. Really not very confident. And Lyon just had their, just to end my long, long, long rant, um, Lyon just had a cup final, the League Cup final against uh, Paris Saint-Germain just a few days ago. And well, I mean, their team is looking pretty good. They held PSG to a nil-nil draw and then lost on penalties, 6-5 on penalties. And I mean, they had basically a full squad available. Just looking at it right now, my man Memphis Depay, he's back, he's fit, played, let me see, 80 minutes. So, I mean, he's back and fit again. Moussa Dembele, uh, Hussein Awar, uh, Max Okone, Bruno Guimaraes. Uh, I mean, they're all, you know, they're all looking fit, they're all playing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty concerned. Yeah, I think it was a few, I think about a year ago or a couple of years back, I don't remember. I I got a, a question in the mailbag, you know, the black and white and red all over mailbag that we had going on in the summers when we didn't have anything to write about. So, and remember it was like, those? remember <laughs> how that was? And I think it was like a question of like, why can't Juve ever win the Champions League? And I remember making the argument like, this is so unpredictable, right? Like, it's it's a knockout tournament. You have everything has to go right for you. You know you have to be in the right form. You have to have like no significant injuries. Like a suspension can really derail something when you have like you know it's just a couple games and that's it. That's your season, right? It's not like a like a league competition when there's a bunch of games and 
you know, usually talent wins out or, or whatever. And if you add that to probably one of the most unpredictable Juventus teams that we've had in the last decade, where you just don't really know which team's going to show up, if they're going to be like under, you know, if they're actually going to be good, they're going to be decent, they're going to be terrible. We've had really the, the gamut of options during this restart. And add to that what, what Chucks was saying, and, you know, arguably one of your most important players in Paulo Dybala, we don't really know if he's going to play. Uh, we don't really know if he does play, in, like in what form he's going to be. Is he going to be 100%? Probably not. I mean, there are just so many, so many things up in the air that it's hard for me to, to really say, oh yeah, we should, we should take care of this. Like on paper, we should take care of this. Leon, you know, has had just one game since the, since the lockdown, like talent wise, they're not a bad team. Obviously they're a good team, but talent wise, you should be able to beat them. But there's nothing really that Juventus has given us this season that would make me say like, Oh yeah, definitely. Like this is a done deal. Like I wouldn't bet on them to beat Cagliari, which they didn't. So why would I like, you know, think that, that they're going to beat Leon? I mean, it's really up in the air. Like I would not be surprised if they come out flat and, you know, Leon gets an early goal and, and that's it. Right. Like I would not be surprised if that happens. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, they all got some rest and they go out there and they play a really good game, a really cohesive game, and they, they move forward, right? Like, honestly, it, it's really going to be a contest for me, but, you know, hoping that we do go go forward and actually make the mini tournament in, in Portugal. I'm going to counterpoint this a little bit. I am cautiously optimistic for one of the things that you, Sergio, said just at the end there is that Lyon has only played one competitive game in the last six months. And that's a really big deal. You know, a lot of people were talking about how they looked in their game against PSG. And, I mean, when you compare them with PSG, who were only playing their second competitive game in that time frame, then, they, yeah, they looked pretty good. When you compare that to a team that has been playing league football up until this past, up until three days ago, that's a different thing. And I, I, I always cast my mind back to the, the time before UEFA fixed it so that Italy didn't have to go through the qualifiers in the Champions League, the third or fourth place team. And there were some teams there that lost to teams that they had no business losing to. You know, Roma went, I think, lost to a Porto team that they that was not as good as them. Lyon lost one of those. Napoli lost, I think, against Sevilla. And they were a much better team that year. And the big thing there was that Serie A, traditionally the last league of the big five to start, were playing and had and the Italian team in that tie had not played a competitive game going into that fixture. Whereas their opponents had already been playing for two, sometimes even three weeks if they ended up getting matched up against a Premier League team and had that bad luck. And the difference there showed so much. And I think we're going to see something similar this time around. I, I just think that when you look at that gap in match fitness and, and match sharpness, especially when you have somebody like Ronaldo on the field who, you know, he hasn't been 
you know, in the most wondrous of form, but against a team that's going to be, that's that, that's going to be that out of sync as compared to Juve in terms of that match fitness, in terms of how many matches they've been going, that could be really deadly for them. Now I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, go and spend your rent money on, on a ticket in Atlantic city for this, but I think that that, gap is going to be really a lot more than a lot of people are thinking about. And the other thing I also think is that the one major change from this from from this game as opposed to the first game that we played is is Adrian Rabio. I remember the first leg the first leg was the game that I gave up on Rabio. I was I was like, all right, I'm done. Like I had been trying to be patient with him. I was giving him really good you know, I was trying to give him as much leeway as, he, as I could because he hadn't played for so long in PSG. He was so bad in that game that that was the game where I was like, all right, now I'm done. Let him go. And then the renaissance hap- has happened these last three weeks for him. And I think that having him in the midfield, because the biggest problem that we had against Leon in the first leg was the midfield. You remember that, that lip-reading video of Ronaldo and Dybala talking to each other in Spanish saying the midfield wasn't getting them anything. I think that might change this time. And so I think, I think that there are more reasons to be slightly optimistic than you guys do, obviously to each his own opinion and that, but I think we've got a very good shot at getting the result that we need. I'll, I'll tell you something. I, I agree 100% with you on that, that, you know, Leon is like you said, I mean, six months off, you know, anything resembling like playing form just one game to their name like that to me if I want to you know feel optimist and be like oh no they got this that to me is the biggest argument that to me is like okay they have Juve hasn't really looked great but I mean there's no way Leon is going to come in with like in better form I mean there's there's just no way so it, it then again I don't think it really speaks super highly of this current iteration of Juventus where the main selling point of them actually, you know, going into the quarterfinals is that their opponent is probably going to be even worse than them. So, you know, I, I do want to, I think if you have forced me to, to pick, definitely, I, I think they, they should progress through, but you know, who knows this Juventus hasn't made anything easy for them this season. Everything has been a struggle. So it would not shock me at all if this was just, you know, another, kind of like another thing where they struggle again. Sam mentioned Rabio, and it got me curious as he was talking to look up Rabio's rating and description from Sam's recap from the first leg against Lyon. And I will just say that Rabio got one of the lowest grades I've ever seen Sam give in one of his recaps. And what, what, was that a three? Did I give him was, for that it game? Was, it was a three. Miralem Pjanic also got a three. Danilo got a three and a half. So, you know, salute to our, you know, numerical choice of the day. But <laughs> as Sam was saying, you know, this, this was his chance to really stay claim to a, a consistent starter spot, but he fell on his face in his return to France. And I think as, as Hunter pointed out in his piece about Rabio late last week, you know, this, this is finally the Rabio that we were all kind of hoping to see once he shook off the rust. And so now that he's, I mean, he's as Bendikur has shown the signs of really some fatigue setting in, I believe 
Rabiot's really become their best midfielder right now, at least their most informed, I should say. But, you know, now that Rabiot seems like he's a lock for the starting lineup in these kinds of games, there's that choice of do you put Bentoncourt at Regista or do you put him on the right and then Rabiot on the left? And then maybe you don't have the same kind of defensive cover for Ronaldo on the left side as you would if Blaise Matuidi was there. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's really one of those things where Rabiot's emergence has made the midfield at least some of a choice rather than how many months did we go, okay, these were the best three and, and that's that. Yeah, I, I, I do think that when it comes to, you know, do you – do you put enough defensive cover in behind Ronaldo when you come into a second leg down one nil it doesn't really it it, it, that's a secondary concern I think when you come into a second leg needing a two needing to win by two I would also like to mention and this is a one thing I know that I sounded very optimistic just now if Juve were to get past Lyon, I have zero expectations for the for anything beyond. That. <laughs> there goes the that. optimism right there. Couch, I want to make that clear. I want I, to catch that. I, I echo that one hundred percent. Zero expectation for for anything beyond Lyon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, I echo that one hundred percent. I mean, it's a brutal, brutal path to the final. It's yeah against, frankly, the most informed teams of Europe. So. Uh, one thing's for sure. I mean, if we actually reach the final, then pff, hell yeah, we're going to win it. But, you know. You mean Atalanta is going to win it? You want to, you want to tempt the wrath of the whatever from high atop the thing? Let's not. <laughs> but, I mean, if we reach the final, that's, yeah. No, no uh, but another thing about the game against Lyon is, you know, obviously remembering that we don't have an away goal. So, yeah, I mean, we're playing one. I mean, we're, yeah, playing at home now. And, you concede one away goal, and well, I mean, you have to score three, so that's a really uh, very delicate position, very uh, very tricky position indeed. And given the the struggles we've had in defense late this season, well, I mean, the season in general, we had a good spell, a few like about a month or in a bit before COVID. Yeah, remember those times? Yeah, those yeah, were fun exactly. times. <laughs> yeah, we had we had a decent spell for a while, but yeah, that's it's a very tricky position to be to be kind of on the lookout, looking over your shoulder for that away goal, which in a way was the same situation last season against Atletico. The second leg when we, were, when we came back, you know, 2-0 behind, and it's like, well, we got to watch out for that away, away goal, which, I mean, means you either just fully, fully, fully go gung-ho attack so you, you suffocate them so much that they can't even launch a single attack or... Well, I mean, or you just play really cautiously in in attack so that you, you kind of sit back and you don't give them any space because you're like, well, just in case they might hit back. Two approaches, I suppose. I mean, very, very reductionist way of saying it, but two approaches, I guess, to take. And I think against Atletico last season, I think we did really go for the gung-ho approach of just fully attack them, fully pressure them, fully suffocate them so that they can't even just have an inch of breathing space to even launch an attack period and of course you have the home crowd then well had the home crowd sorry um you had the home crowd then you know really on your back and giving you that momentum obviously we don't have that now but that's just some kind of extra thoughts on that one 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of the star of that Atletico Madrid game, how big is this for Ronaldo's legacy at Juventus? Because, I mean, we, we talk about him in the sense that, you know, he's brought all this attention to Juventus. He's brought, you know, a following that the club hasn't had in, in years and attention and a spotlight. Uh, even, you know, when they were making a Champions League final, there wasn't this kind of spotlight just because he wasn't here. But when it comes to him, he was obviously brought in, at least for on-field purposes, for one reason, and that's to make Juventus a legitimate Champions League contender. So what does this do for him and what he was brought in to do? Because, I mean, I've, I've gone back and forth been saying, like, you know, as much as Dybala will help, if Ronaldo ain't closer to the Ronaldo we saw that was scoring goals and not the one who was just peppering shots into defenders' legs the last couple of weeks, it's kind of like, well, what, what good is that going to do? You know, as far as his legacy goes, his Juventus legacy, I think if, he, if they don't win a Champions League while he's a Juventus player, yeah, it's going to be like, a, you know, it's going to be a, a stain on his Juve legacy, as, you know, as silly as that sounds, I think, because they did bring him to win the Champions League. That was it. That was the entire purpose of bringing him in. Whether or not that was a valid way of looking at it, whether or not they were actually right in thinking we are one Cristiano Ronaldo away from the Champions League, we can debate that. But that was the, the meaning behind the move, right? And, you know, for as much as as, as we talk about you know, Juventus failures, quote-unquote failures in, in Champions League play, he, Ronaldo has performed up to expectations in that tournament. Like, you know, last year, the, the Atletico Madrid second leg, that was, you know, one of those iconic moments, not just for, for Juventus, but probably like the entire Champions League, right? Like he just took, took that game on his own and kind of, you know, powered the team through to the next round. I don't think we're going to see something like that from him this time. I mean, he hasn't really looked like that type of player this last few few games. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. I would actually look for Dybala to be a bigger difference maker than Ronaldo in this one. So you, you said something like you said one sentence there that I thought was interesting. You said we can debate if... We can debate if Ronaldo's arrival at Juventus or, or Ronaldo being bought to win the Champions League or the team being one Cristiano Ronaldo away from winning the Champions League, if that was the right move or not. And I think that is exactly the point, actually. Well, first of all, was that the right thought? Was that the right thought, A, and what, was that the right decision, B? Both of which I think is no. Um, I don't, I mean, I think we can all agree on that. I think absolutely not that the team was one Cristiano Ronaldo away from winning the Champions League. Not last season, not the season before that. And that was just, I mean, completely nonsensical of 
the management to think that. If if the management did indeed think that, then that I think was just completely erroneous. But you know, he's here. <laughs> he's here now, so we gotta you know we gotta live with that, obviously. And I'm sure Hunter would uh, love to jump in on that um, if he were here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm watching <Yes>. you, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like uh, invoking like from the Lion King being like Simba. <laughs> he'll, he'll, just mag- he'll just magically drop into the Zoom call. <laughs> You're like Hunter. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but awkward Lion King references aside, um, I think, you know, one thing in fairness in Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's defense last season, I mean, against Atletico, I mean, he, he built us out on that game, I mean, clearly on, on that second leg, I mean, he, you know, clearly bailed us out on that one. Um, and then that just strange, crazy, fascinating tie against uh, Ajax, which, yeah, just was very, very, yeah, interesting tie. Um, that who obviously that, didn't... Who is that defender? Who is the star man? For, yeah, for some Ajax? bloke. Some, some bloke. Some, guy from, some other guy from Portugal. Some bloke uh, with big thighs. Uh, <laughs> I think that this game, this second leg would be a lot, would be, would mean a lot more to Ronaldo's Juventus legacy if it had been played when it should have been played as opposed to now. Because there is just so much about the, about this restart. That's another one for you to spell, Danny. It's two weeks in a row now. But yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm guessing at this point. I was just going <laughs> to say that. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, because, because of the shutdown, so many bets are off that I don't think this game will mean as much in the context of his legacy with the team as it would have if we had been playing it in March and he either lifted us out past Lyon or failed to, or, you know, did his damnedest in Lyon win anyway. That's the third, that would have been the third option. I just think that with the shutdown, you can't really say if we don't get past Leon on Friday, that, that, you know, it's a, it's an indictment against his time. I totally agree with what you were saying, Chucks, about how, you know, whether or not he was brought here on a premise that was correct is another discussion. But when it comes to just directly his, his legacy with the team based on what he can do on the field with in a, in a total vacuum, I don't think this game is going to have that much import just because everything has gone so screwy in the last couple of months. Which, by the way, quickly going back to, to how, you know, just unpredictable this whole thing's going to be and how really the entire podcast has really no confidence in this team progressing beyond this, you know, the, the round of 16. Wouldn't it be the perfectly juvenile thing for it to happen that they just go on a run and somehow win the Champions League this year in the one like super wonky year with like the one leg knockouts and like I mean, all considering that, the like, fact that we, considering the fact that we've already got one Champions League final where like we couldn't no one could celebrate because you know everybody died in the stands like that that would just totally be us yes like that like that would not surprise me at all and then like everybody would just like ha- like hang that over our heads like oh yeah you finally won the champions league but it was the wonky year with like the one like knockout type of thing like that would at this point why not i mean honestly it, it might happen 
It would be such a fitting end for the season that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, it definitely would. I mean, at this point, it, pretty much every take I've had about this team has <laughs> been wrong. So I, I think the one thing I was right about was the lift and Rabiot actually being good. That's it. Every other take I had has been wrong. So, I mean, why not? What do we even pay you for anyway? Get him out of here. Just wait until just wait until you vent to sign to Mexican. Then the takes are going to be all right on. Get him out of here. No, and honestly, Sergio, uh, from what you said, I think anyone that wins the Champions League at this point will get that. Like, oh yeah, but they want it in a you know wonky like format. I yeah, I I, I was thinking about that the other day as well. I think that's definitely uh, definitely true. Granted, the haters will say that. I mean, you know. This is what it is. I mean, if a te- if a team I don't like wins it, I will definitely make that argument. Like, I, like, <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. I, I am not above that. So basically, anybody outside Atalanta or Juventus, you're just gonna be like, ah, whatever. It's like whatever. This is trash <laughs> Champions League. Who wants to win that one? <laughs> it's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. On that note, shall we jump into some Twitter questions, gentlemen? Yes, let's. All right. So we'll keep with the the Champions League theme here. And basically, we will go with our friend Handi Vandi, who actually has a one-part question, not a two-part question this week. Will it ever be possible to have a (laughs) a black and white and red over sanctioned meetup in the United States? Yes, in 2025. (laughs) At a socially appropriate distance. At a... a, a and, and by the way, he, he, he said that we pronounced his name wrong. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just, all, right, uh, all right, Mr. Vondi, give us a, pronoun- a correct pronunciation. We'll get it right next time you ask us a question. I think he said it was Handy Vandy. Handy Vandy? I don't know. I was trying to be like you, Chucks, and, you know, <laughs> give out my, my – bring out the accent a little bit. So No, people butcher my name so much. <laughs> it's like – well, my last name mostly. And Semper, Sem, or Semperti, Sem, I, I don't even know. He, he was, he was, he was moaning about us that's, mispronouncing his name yeah, as well. That's a, that's two weeks in a row. He's just gonna be like, happy he got mentioned. I was like, get in line, son. Get in line. People start <laughs> adding syllables to my name. That's when you know it's legit. <laughs> when you're Italian, uh, that's a thing. I, yeah. I remember one time somebody referring to Shadek and uh, figuring out that. Oh, right, the movie. It's like Shadek. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds almost like Arabic or something. <laughs> <laughs> From at Bachisabi, what happens in the first half of Juventus Lyon? And I'm basically saying, I'm basically assuming that will be with how much fire are we expecting Juventus to come out with? Well, I'm going to invoke the words of one of my most hated people in the world, Mark Zuckerberg. Congressman, that's a great question. So I'm going to say <laughs> a Zuckerberg reference before Tim Vickery. Wow. Yeah, I know. No, because I was watching that Does Senate hearing. Our, Does this mean all of our Facebook accounts are getting zucked like right yeah. after this? Yep. Oh, you know, I mean, the bloke is watching me anyway already. So, I mean, <laughs> come on, what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do, you know, <laughs> frankly? <laughs> but, no, I was watching that Congress hearing of Bezos, uh, Zuckerberg, uh, Cook, and uh, Pichai. And it just, I was like, oh, God, I despise this man. 
A congressman is a great question. Well, you know, Congressman, uh, uh, my team will get back you, to you on that. Oh, if he says that stuff one more time. Anyway, um, this is not This Week in Tech. This is uh, uh, Juventus podcast. But first half against Leon. I mean, again, I kind of mentioned that earlier. It really, I think it's one of two ways. I think it's either a fully gung-ho, just throwing the kitchen sink at it. And, and kind of like the, the, the approach against like I said, the approach against Atletico last season in the second leg, which was just suffocate them, you know, just go fully at them and suffocate them. And to kind of stifle that threat of, well, if we can see the goal, especially early, but if we can see the goal, then we have three goals to make up. So it's either that or cautious. Well, let's not go too intense because if they score, then, you know, we're in trouble. I think given Sari's general philosophy i see it being the atletico approach which yeah i think that i see that more in fitting with with him and hey i mean if, if allegri went <laughs> took that kind of approach i mean come on and <laughs> surely surely he's gonna do it too so all, all hands on deck 100 100 kilometers an hour I think that that's, I mean, we kind of have that his, uh, have a history of that going into a second leg the last couple of years went being down. The, they scored pretty early against Atletico. You know, Mandzukic two years ago in the, Madrid, in the Michael Oliver debacle scored a goal within two minutes of, of the game starting. In the last couple of years when they've come from, when they've had to come from a, a losing position in the first leg, they've been... They, they've been on the front foot from the get-go and they've been really, really, and they've been moving really well and they've been hungry. Uh, I asked myself as I was thinking about that before you finished talking, the question of will we be seeing the same kind of a thing without a crowd there? But of course the, the Madrid game was at the Bernabeu. So you don't have that, you know, I guess you could have, you could say that when it came to Mandzukic scoring early, it kind of shut the crowd up at that point and that helped. But I, I, I think we, you know, if, every, if, if they click and don't go on one of those weird mental, you know, nature hikes that they sometimes go on, I can see them coming out really fast and threatening the goal pretty quickly. The question is going to be how early they do score, because if they manage to get the first goal early, then Lyon's going to start feeling footsteps behind them. If the longer it takes, the more desperate they're going to get and the more comfortable Lyon's going to get. The question, I think, I, th- I think the better question, frankly, no offense to Bachisabi, is what's going to happen in the second half in terms of just how good are Lyon's legs going to be as opposed to ours? And are they going to get, start getting tired and making mistakes in ways that we won't? Yeah, I think the most important thing about the first half is just going to, you know, to gauge what what team is Leon going to be like. I mean, what what form are they in? Like, are they going to? What type of team are you facing? Straight up, because they have no no frame of reference for what they're going to be seeing on Friday. So, I, I'd be very interested to see that, right? Like, if the first fifteen minutes, what happens there? Like, are, are they playing well? Do, are they playing sharp or are they just playing like sloppy type of game because they haven't played in six months? I think that's going to be really, really, really the key. And that's just going to dictate how the entire game goes. Right. And, you know, especially if, 
either Juventus, but especially if Leon just kind of like finds a goal early, which is completely not out of the question, that's going to, I mean, that's just going to change the entire tie. So, yeah, I mean, this game might be many things, but I think it's going to be interesting at the very least. You know, I think it's going to be a good, I think it's going to be entertaining at the very least. Oh, and can I also a uh, quick shout out? Thank you, uh, Bachi Savi, for uh, the question you submitted on my website. Um, I oh. did get it and I uh, did answer it. So I just wanted to give him a little shout out there and uh, say uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, keep them um, keep coming. There you go, Chucks. We got we got contributors all over the place. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> because Congressman, that was a great question. That's right. From at Cogliano underscore E. Do you see Arthur's behavior recently as a potential red flag around when it comes to his attitude when he doesn't get what he wants? And if you guys aren't aware, I believe Barcelona and Arthur are still trying to work out a early contract termination, I guess it would be, or something that would allow him to basically not face serious sanctions from the club seeing as he hasn't returned back for Barcelona's Champions League preparations. I, you know, I think it's it's one of those things with Arthur where, you know, he got really put in a, in a no-win situation because, you know, he obviously didn't want to leave Barcelona. He said it over and over and over again. At the end of the day, they convinced him to, to come to Juventus. And then he immediately gets, gets you know, benched in Barcelona I mean I kind of get where he's coming from it's obviously not the best way to handle it you're a professional you know if they don't want to play you whatever you know just write it out I get that but also and I just checked this Arthur is 23 years old like you know I mean what were you doing when you were 23 years old right like I mean it's it's tough to really sometimes we kind of judge these guys on a, you know, crazy curve. And we're like, oh, you have to be like a super professional and whatnot. Like he's a young guy. He's clearly frustrated. Uh, he clearly was at his dream club and things didn't really work out for him the way they sh- should have worked out or the way the, what he wanted them to work out. So, you know, it's not great. Like I get that. But at the same time, like I'm not going to overreact and say you know he's just a bad dude or he's a bad teammate or selfish or what have you you know I mean we have a guy like Adrian Rabiot who had you know similar situation where he just refused to play for PSG and you know he's a Juve player now he's one of the you know bright spots of the season so I, I think I don't really think it's a problem right now you know I think we'll see we'll see how he adapts to to Italy but I'm you know, I'm kind of leaning towards just you know kind of cutting him some slack, I guess. I don't know if Rabio didn't play at PSG because he refused or because PSG decided, well, you're not going to sign, then screw you. You're sitting for the rest of the season. I, I think it was, I think it was the latter. It was, it was a contract thing. I mean, like, but yeah, like, no, like he, I, he didn't handle that either really like super well. So, you know, yeah, and he's yeah. also like a really young guy. So I, I don't blame him for thinking, why should I show up if, I'm, if I know I'm not going to be used, especially when you look at Spain's COVID stats and you see them starting to tick up ever so slightly, which is, which is worrying. I know that Aurelio De Laurentiis has actually been agitating to get his game against Barcelona next week moved out of Barcelona because he's concerned about the, the numbers there. He also uh, just agitates in general. 
He does. That playoff that playoff comment he made this week was precious. Yes. Oh, that was hysterical. Yeah. At the risk of sounding like one of the worst video game fandoms out there, get good. If you're sick of us winning the league, get good. Like Sergio, like you said, he's a young guy. This has obviously been a very emotional situation for him. He he knows he's not going to be used and he feels hard done by, by the team to begin with. So I, I can see where, I can see where he's coming from again. You know, you do wish that he handled it maybe a little bit better, but I don't think this in a vacuum counts as a history. Cause this really seems, you know, you, you, you know, I've heard a couple of Barcelona fans talk about him from a discipline standpoint, but you know, all we, people said the same thing about Mario Mandzukic when he came. People, he Mandzukic was supposed to be a head case when we got him from Atletico Madrid. He ended up being one of the most dedicated players on the team for four years. So, you know, a club, a club, the right club, the right coach, the right people around you can change you as a player, especially from a guy as young as Arthur. So I, I, you know, maybe it's like a quarter mast red flag, but it's certainly not all the way up. Mario's a prick, but he's our prick. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one here from our buddy David Desberg at the True ROAC with Antonio Conte railing against Inter. And if you haven't seen those quotes, oh boy, it seems probable that he will leave at some point soon. Allegri is the top name to replace him. Does an Allegri Marotta Inter concern you? I mean, I don't know. Inter are so bad that the only way they can win is by poaching our former staff. That's right. I mean, come on. like, Come on, Inter. It's like, oh, well, let's get Marotta. Oh, let's get Conte. Well, let's get Allegri then. Like, God, it's pathetic. But in all seriousness, I mean, I read those reports. I did see them indeed. I think Conte came up with a, with a statement in which he kind of calmed the waters a little again saying that, quote, I'm committed to a three-year project with Inter, and as I have always done in my life, I will work hard and fight with all my strength, th- strength and everything in my power to make it a winning project. So he said that just yesterday after, kind of as a quick rebuttal to, uh, to those, well, controversial comments that he uh, made. That, 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 also, that, was also, that also accompanied a threat to sue the guy at La Repubblica who said that he'd been trying to sound out Juventus and whether or not they were going to fire Sadi. But know. Um, Conte's been busy. <laughs> Things but, are going uh, well over there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean uh, Allegri... I don't know if Allegri at Inter would really... Especially a, a Beppe-Allegri combo there would concern me all that. I mean, Malata at Inter concerns me regardless of who the coach is because he's one of the best executives in the world. I mean, Allegri, I mean, he's, he's definitely, he definitely has his positives as a coach. He definitely has his negatives. He's, you know, he had a couple of almighty brain farts with us. You know, that, that Bayern tie in the round of 16 a few years ago comes to mind where he, he started terrible middle of the you know middle stretching over the the two legs was really great and then the last 30 minutes he screwed it up again I mean this this was my thing with him at the end of his time at Juventus I wonder what his tactical identity really is because I think that's one of the things that really his team suffer from 
by the end is because he, yes, he's tactically adaptable and he's fluid and everybody loved that about him, especially when they compare him to Saudi who, who really never strays from plan a, but that, but by the end of his time there, I mean, who, what could you really say that Juventus had an identity under him? And I wonder if the same thing is going to happen with, with him at Inter, regardless of the number of the players, especially when you, you know, if, if Barcelona pay enough money, Lautaro Martinez is going there one way or the other and Inter can't stop it. And that'll be a, a big blow to them. So really, it, it, it would depend on the players. It depends on how, how Allegri would come across there. It, it, it certainly wouldn't, Allegri, Allegri himself wouldn't disturb me much more than any other coach going to Inter if Conte were to leave. But Marotta there disturbs me regardless. We'll wrap it up there. As always, you can listen to us on Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to subscribe and like and possibly even write us a review there. We're also available on Spotify and Google Podcasts. You can find us on our usual social media channels. And seeing as it's Champions League week, we'll be having plenty of stuff coming your way before Friday's big game. And hopefully it's the uh, not the last game that we're talking about this season. So... Oh, before you wrap up, Danny, yes, sorry, Jones. I hate to inter- <laughs> I, I know it's you. a sin to sin to, inter- to interrupt you, but uh, just want to give a quick shout out. Follow me on YouTube. Uh, I have a oh. YouTube channel now, so you know, follow me on YouTube where I talk about my nice upcoming book. In your, in, your, in, your, <laughs> in your Juventus tree. Yes, I do. So just uh, just Google my name, you'll find it. Uh, yes. The YouTube channel is my name. So. My, my government name, so Edward Patrick Akinyemi. So, yeah. um, or just my website, edwardp.me. When, when, when will you be having your fellow uh, Big Dutch Quadzilla boy showing up on your YouTube videos? My man. Well, he is from my hometown, so... He got that connection going there, bud. So, he, knows, he knows where to find me. I know where he's at. <laughs> All right, for YouTube star Chucks, for Sergio and for Sam, this is Danny saying thank you for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you next time.